Welcome to the Holes of Mark show, and my guest today is David Noel Hansel. I was born with the ability to see and hear from a spirit. I've been able to recall this from a very young age. Being afraid of it, I've spent most of my life trying to push it aside in any way I could poss- possibly could. My teachings came from the spirit and from others whom spirit would put in my path. In 2015, I developed a deadly strain of pneumonia, which rendered me unconscious for two months. During this time, the doctors told my parents almost every day that I wouldn't make it until the morning, and if I did, I would have to be put in a home. They feared I wouldn't be able to function properly again. They were wrong. I came out of it, learned to walk again, and went back to fully functional life. But with one major change, all the abilities I had as a child became heightened. I was given a second chance to be a service of all who seek answers. I have the ability to hear from people who crossed over and speak and hear from guides as my own as well. I have begun to teach mediumship and how to connect to spirit to those who feel they want or need to learn. I do investigations of haunted places and buildings to help prove or disprove the presence of the spirit and to let people know this is not the end. Spirituality is fun, it's magical, and it's within everything and everyone. I'm not your typical medium as well, but I'd like to have fun and spirits do as well. Our personality on the other side is exactly the same. I am working on a book about my near-death experience and how it's not always what it says. And my YouTube channel, Letter from the Sky, be up and running with videos of my truth about this whole spiritual movement. And I'd like to say, hi, David. Hello, how are you? Hello. Can you go into more detail about the, your near-death experience, please? Well, um, in 2015, in July, I, well, before that, actually, probably about six months before that, I started getting very sick, and nobody knew why. I went to to various doctors, and they just kind of slept it off as nothing, you know. They'd give me cough syrup and something for nausea and say, no, just go home, and I still didn't feel good. And one day, I woke, got out of bed, and I didn't know where I was. I just got up, and everything was different. I didn't recognize my house or anything, and uh, a gentleman came in my room, and said what's wrong with you and all I said was I think I'm dying call the hospital that happened to be my brother and I didn't even recognize him um, so they took me to the hospital that's the last thing I remember um, as far as being conscious I woke up two months later and when I woke up um, that's when things were really wonky because I had no clue I had been out for two months it wasn't until about that first week in the hospital after I woke up that I started remembering all the things I was seeing and hearing and doing while I was unconscious. And when I woke up, I actually thought my entire family had died. And what brought me out of the... I actually had dementia when I got out. And what brought me out of it was I told the nurse how I wish my parents were still alive to see me come back out of this coma. And she said... Your parents were here last night. They've been here every night for two months. And all of a sudden, I got a flood of everything that came back. And I remembered. And the dementia went away almost like overnight. I was fine. The only thing I had to learn how to do is I had to relearn to walk again. 
because in that state, I had, uh, my body was just laying there. So I had to uh, learn how to walk. I learned how to walk again. I left the hospital a few weeks after that. Came home. They told me I had to go on disability because I'd never be able to drive or work again. Um, they were wrong. I sat at home and I, and I just said to myself, this isn't going to work. I got to do something. I can't let my life be like this. I was trying to remember things. And um, I started remembering who I was. I went and got a job. I went and got my license back. My job turned into a full-time job. And everything went pretty much back to normal except my memories. I started to remember more and more what I used to do and knowing about spirit and all that. And then I started hearing and seeing them more and more and more. And um, probably the craziest thing people asked about what I thought of. I was told while I was under that my older brother was going to die and that one of our dogs was going to die. And I thought that was odd. Even when I came out, I'm like, why would I even think that, you know? But I remember in the dream they had said, he can go, but you can't go. You can't go yet. You have things you have to do yet. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't get that. I thought it was just a dream. Except six months after I got out of the hospital, uh, our dog was killed by our other dog, which I told my parents about. I said, they told me that Buddy, our older dog, killed the other dog, and that dog did end up killing that dog. And less than a year later, my brother got cancer and a brain tumor, and he did die. So I did have the heads up on all that, which I suppose it's a curse and it's a blessing because I... Uh, I knew it was going to happen. There was nothing I could do to stop it. I, I often still wonder to this day. I said, why did you let me know that? And they tell me now, it's like, just so you know, you needed to stay. And he was going to go. We're just letting you know how this works. And they told me everything's fine. And to this day, I mean, I miss my brother. But luckily, I talk to him. So I hear from him a lot. And he comes through to a lot of my friends when I talk to them. My other friends who are mediums and the ones who don't even know about him comes food to so it's all been validated for me over and over so that's pretty much what happened and then uh and in the last three years everything heightened more and more my memories started coming back um good things happened from it i used to i used to drink and smoke my gifts away i did not like being psychic growing up i hated it i hated seeing people i hated hearing the voices in my head i hated all that so i drank it away for probably about 25 years Fun, weird thing is, is after the coma, um, I had no recollection of drinking. I have no recollection of smoking. I still don't drink or smoke to this day. It's been three years. I don't even know what that's like. And so it's, I never had to go through withdrawals or anything. So that was a blessing that came out of it. So there was good that came out of it. This is strange, isn't it? Um, I've talked to other people like similar to you and, and myself who've had near-death experiences. And though they're different, they're similar in ways that we've been either given the gift or knowledge of the paranormal in certain ways. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It, it seems like it took trauma to get through to it. I kind of believe that. I study shamanism now, too. I didn't know anything about shamanism. When I started reading about shamanism, I'm like, how come I already know this stuff? And I've never knew anything. I never even knew what a shaman was. And I just inherently had all this knowledge about it. So that's the stuff that happened. And like you, because you had one too, I mean, there are similar things to what I saw when I passed over. But I didn't just see, I didn't see a white light and all this other stuff. I did see something different. I saw different places that they took me. And I did see something very angelic that nobody's ever told me about that I thought was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And the colors were absolutely amazing. And I... 
I can't even describe colors to people nowadays of what I saw because it doesn't exist here. <laughs> it's not the same. You know, I didn't see anything. I heard, I, all I heard was a woman's voice. Uh, and I definitely have not heard before or since. And she just said, wait, you've got to wake up. And I had the most overwhelming feeling I've ever, ever, ever had to wake up. Now, when I tell people, they say, oh, no, that is your brain playing tricks on me. But I do seriously believe, and I would argue this point till my dying day, that it was my guardian angel or spirit guide. Um, I have to attest that it probably was, because I, I went through, even when I got out, I, I tried to disprove things. I mean, when I, I you know go to haunted houses and I just try to disprove ghosts, I don't do it to try to be mean. I do it to let people know if they're you know reading into it too much or this actually does exist. I like to give proof. Now, I have proof because I was told about my brother's death. I was told about my dog's death. I actually um, described to my father things that went on and to the doctors, things that went on when I was unconscious. So, yes, I have to say, you know, <laughs> you really don't die. You know, you do go on elsewhere. And it's not, and I know the stuff that was my mind playing tricks on me. And really, and a funny story is my guides will tell me when I think about something, they'll say to me, that was the drugs. And that's what they say. And it's so funny when they say it. They're like, that was the drugs. I'm like, oh, okay, good. Because that didn't make sense. You know, but then they'll tell me when that was real. They'll say that was real when I get when they show me memories. And so I think it's absolutely real when people do have NDEs, near death experiences. For the most part, I have to say probably at 98% of them is, are telling the absolute truth of what they saw. I, I said, uh, what was it like, as you said earlier, uh, you tried to hide your abilities as you were younger. Did it make you feel frightened when you first heard or, heard or saw someone? No, that was the funny thing. It, as a child, I was always very open. I mean, I remember now, even when I was a four and five years old, um, one of the biggest proofs that came to me was uh, one night, my mom always brings this up to me. She remembers a story more than I can do. I'm just retelling the story that she tells. She said when I was about four or five in the, in the car, she said I was crying all the way home from wherever we were coming from, saying that I wanted some toys. And they kept saying it's too late. We're just going to go to bed. We'll get you toys in the morning, so on and so forth. And we went up to the doorway, and we were getting ready to come in, and they were holding me. And all of a sudden, I pointed up in the sky, she, uh, sky my mom said, and I said, look, a star. And it was a giant shooting star that went flying by that was the first one that I saw in my lifetime flew by and we, when we all turned around to open the door hanging on the door was a bag full of toys little toys and it was a little uh, note on it that said for David well my parents just looked at it and thought well that's odd that's a coincidence and they called my aunt up and they called her friends and like did you guys leave these for David and everybody said no nobody's been at the house and, that, and my mom said that bag wasn't hanging there when we first walked up to the door. It was after we turned and looked at the shooting star. So stuff like that, that didn't scare me because that was my introduction. But then I started seeing like little ghosts here and there. That would kind of freak me out because I would tell people, who's that over there? They'd say, who, who, what do you mean? There's nobody there. I'm like, yeah, they are. They're standing right there. And then I would, when I was a child, at it, wherever house we went in, my mom believes in the paranormal now because of me, she says. Because growing up, whatever house we went into, we would hear noises. I would be gone, and they would hear, still hear the noises. 
your, your annex creaking. We had electrical outlets do stuff. This is all my life, and I hated it. I didn't understand it. I wanted to just be a normal person, and I wanted to do other things in life. I never knew what mediumship or ghosts were or anything like that. I just always saw them. I thought it was freaky. And so I, I started you know, to drink, party, do everything, anything I could do to not hear those voices or anything. And then I would... After a while, I would blame it on the drinking. When I heard voices, I'd be like, oh, I'm just drunk. You know, and it was the funny thing was, no matter what I did, they were always going to come through to me. I was always going to see stuff. But being, drinking and doing and just having this really reckless life, I could blame it on that. But uh, it wasn't until after, it was actually right before the coma, because I had prayed to God. I'm like, you need to make this stuff stop. This can't happen anymore. I'm done with it. I'm depressed. My life is crap, and I don't want any of this. And I said, either, you know, just let me die or let me do something or do something, please. I begged and begged and begged. And it was less than six months later is when I went into the hospital. And then I always tell people, be careful what you wish for, you know. I wish it could have been done a different way, but, it, but that's the way it worked out. When I got out... Now I hear them clearly. I see them clearly uh, when, you know, and now it's on, now it's when I want to. It's not necessarily they just show up like they did when I was younger. Now I'd have to actually sit here and ask who's here and so on and so forth. So they don't frighten me like they used to. Do you like helping people that need your help? That is my main calling now is I... And I also, there's so many, there's a lot of, there's a spiritual movement that's out there is, it's good. I mean, I'm glad that it's, it's coming to age more. People are realizing it more, but in that there's also a lot of people who are taking advantage of it to get money out of people and to give them wrong information. I, I made it a quest of mine to, I try to make spirituality so easy for people. You know, people wondering about this mercury retrograde and all that other stuff. I'm like, it doesn't really matter whether that's happening or not. Just live your life, have a good life. Know that you don't just die and that's the end of it. Know that your loved ones are still around, even if you don't hear them. Everybody has the ability to be psychic. Everybody has the ability to be a medium. I am not the only one. I am not special. The only thing different about me is that I decided that I was going to make it my calling and this is what I was going to do. I get more happiness out of helping someone figure something out in their life and helping them come forward or bringing through. When I do readings for people and their mom has come through or their best friend or their dog or whatever come through and I give them the evidential evidence that I possibly can and we know who it is and they get their messages, they are, they are happy. And that's all I ask for. And I don't even charge for every reading. I mean, there, there are times I, I do have people who I'll just come across and my spirits will say they need to hear from this person, ask them if they want to. And sometimes they do. Well, most of the time they do. They're like, yeah, I want to hear from them. And I tell them, they're like, well, what do I owe you? I'm like, you don't owe me anything. I'm happy as hell that you're happy. That's all that matters. If they was to tell you, know, you something bad was going to happen to that person would you tell that person that's a really good question i was just having a question that with a friend of mine today um one i never ever look into a person's energy unless they ask my number one rule is not without asking which means i don't look into anybody's stuff unless they actually ask me if a spirit tells me spirits 
the way I the way I'm set up and the way it works for me is I do do my prayers to you know all of my information comes from God the universe angels your loved ones and everything else I do not entertain any negative spirits I do not do any of that the only time I'll entertain negative spirits is if I'm doing a um, going into a house looking for paranormal stuff, I'll talk to those negative spirits because I want to find out why they're there or what's happening. But I don't let them in. I mean, I just talk to them. If some, if a spirit never ever says to me that person's going to die, that person's going to break their leg, that person do that, that's just not going to happen. What a lot of people don't realize is I don't care who you are. No psychic and no medium can see the future 100%. And that is because of the free will. I can see your past. I can see your present. That that I can do. And spirits can actually even tell me what they would be doing. But I can't tell anybody exactly where their path is going to you know, lead them. And I can't tell them. People ask me, when am I going to die? Am I going to be okay? And I'm like, well, I'll ask the spirit. And normally the spirit always tells me, you're going to die one day. But for now, you're fine. That's usually all they ever, ever tell me to tell them. You know, I once, understand in while, that. Might, once in a while they might give them a heads up like hey if you're, you're going to go on this vacation they know that you're going to go um, please be wary or be careful of this person, that person or this situation, please keep your eyes open that's the only information that I could ever really give anybody it's, I don't think that information is allowed from what I know of it shouldn't be because we shouldn't know our destiny completely otherwise there would be no point in being here have you ever had to deal with dark spirits? Excuse me? Have you ever had to, ever had to deal with dark spirits? Um, yeah, but quite easily. <laughs> there are some people who are hardwired to be able to deal with that. So that's their main mission in this life. They deal with those spirits. Either they get them out of houses or so on and so forth. I am not hardwired that way. I have dealt with them in which they were really quite uncomfortable when I do readings or when I do the, the live readings I do like in the groups that I'm in I don't allow those negative spirits near and if they do come near me I just pretty much they're real you know people don't understand they're not like pets or animals that you're training they're people they, they, they are a personality their soul is a personality I plan to simply tell them I'm not going to have anything to do with you and that's it if I'll say I only ask for healing messages. I only ask for messages that assist people in their day-to-day -day lives. I don't ask for messages of, of darkness or anything. No, I have gone into an asylum that we did an investigation, and there were a lot of spirits there, and some of them weren't quite nice, but you know what? I don't deal with them. If they try to say something bad to me, I listen to them, and that's it. I've talked to... I've done readings for people with their family members on that side, usually had a strong opinion about something on this side and like might not really care for me because of my religion or what I'm doing. I had a spirit tell me he didn't like the fact that I was doing mediumship because when he was here, he did not believe in that stuff and he did not like it and it was against his religion. So over there, his personality is still the same. Now he knows. He talked anyway and he was fine, but he, they were very standoffish to me. Our personalities don't change. Our beliefs change, but over time, once we realize... Oh, wow, it wasn't like it. they said it was. Or maybe that book was wrong, or maybe that book was wrong, or maybe that guy was wrong, or maybe that lady lied to me. You know, you find that out way later on. In the meantime, you just kind of got to navigate your way through this life and be the best possible person you can. 
I've got a couple of theories that I I have about God. I, I what, my theory one is that God is not a being as such, but like an energy force, like a ball of white light. And when we die, our energy force joins his energy force, like a hive. I agree with the same thing. You've heard the old adage that we're not just a drop of water, and we're not just a drop of water in a sea. We are the sea. But what happens when we come here for these experiences? We come here as a drop of water. When we go back, we join the ocean again. But you're still an individual within that ocean. So my theory on God is kind of is pretty much the same as yours. Is from my know. God does not, God is everybody. Everybody here on this planet is a part of God. So for anybody who says that they hate God would pretty much be saying they hate themselves. Or if anybody said they love God, well then you should be loving yourself because you are a part of God. Mm-hmm. Everybody here is. But we do keep our individuality as well. Um, it's hard to explain, and I know my guides have tried to explain it to me as well. But they keep telling me, don't wrap your head around it while you're here, because there's no reason to. All they tell me is, when you come over here, it's it's different for everybody. Death is very personal. Whatever you believed over here, you're probably going to see in the first little bit that you're over there, because that's what you believed in. And the universe is going, okay, if that's what you need to experience, that's what you're going to experience. But you won't do it for long if it's going to if it hurts you in any way, or if it physically hurts you or mentally hurts you. No, every I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of spirits over there. Not one of them ever told me that their death was painful. Not one of them. Even the ones who burned in fires or anything else, they said, no, we were gone long before. And even it's really funny, my little dog who got killed by the other dogs, my guys came through and they had told me that she was gone out of that body well before you know, what I was seeing was so terrible because I watched her get ripped apart. They said, she was gone. She wasn't in there yet. And I'm like, oh. They said, yeah, once the inevitable was going to happen, they're taken away. But we do, in our perception, still see stuff here. Like, we see arms flailing around and we see this, that, and the other thing. But they're not going through it anymore. They're, they're pretty much taken off. It's, it's, you know, hopefully it's all 100% true, but... We kind of call it the promise of heaven, which means if you're in a car and you're headed towards a brick wall, your brakes go out and it's inevitable you're going to hit that brick wall. They're not going to let you experience that pain unless that's something you wanted to experience. They're going to take you right before the inevitable happens. You know, just like when I was in the hospital, they were taking me over there a lot while I was out. And whenever they would take me out, there was always a discussion. I didn't want to come back. They said, yeah, you want to come back. You need to come back. And, you know, your brother's going to come here, and we need you to go back. And it was explained to me about the sadness that would be and that it wouldn't help the situations of the others and that I would be fine and that everything would be okay. And I came back, you know. I kind of almost didn't really have a choice in the matter. I think some people do and some people don't. I'm not quite sure, honestly, how that works. As you said about earlier, but I, I've had a, when I was in care work, a lady we was looking after was dying, and whilst I was in the room, unfortunately, obviously she died. But before she died, I had the feeling that something had already had had left her. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't yes. see it, or I just sensed it that whatever 
was in there had gone and all that was left was basically the shell. That's, that's pretty much it. I mean, some people, even if they're breathing on the ventilator, some of them aren't even there anymore. They're already gone. You know, that was, they've already left. I mean, we, we, and like you said, you sensed it. I mean, more people do sense these things and they just don't admit them to themselves or they don't admit it to other people. It's like, I knew they were gone before they even pulled the plug, you know? Or, you know, when they, if they see something, someone laying on the ground, even if there's a heartbeat, they, you can still go, I think they're gone. No, their heart's beating. Well, I know, their body still might be going, but they're gone already. Well, I was talking it's, to someone the other day, how, it's funny how, before people go, let's say if they're in hospital or terminally ill or something, they all, everybody seems to have like one good day where they can, they're joking, laughing, want to have dinner, want to be with their friends, want their family there, as if it's like a present from the, the above to say, here, this is, we'll give you one good day as a memory of what this person was. Well, actually, I, it could be in a way. I, I'm, my, my personal belief is sometimes if we're in the hospital and we're terminally ill, let's say, and we're, we probably, trust me, we talk to our spirits and our guides, everyone does, even the ones who don't believe in this. They talk to their spirits and guides probably every night, you know, if not three or four times a week. If you're terminally ill and you're going to go, they're probably talking to you and they're saying, hey, you know, are you ready? And then you're probably making peace with it. And you're like, yeah, I am ready. But before I go, I'm going to go back and I'm going to just, you know, let them know I feel good, you know, and, and talk to them and do what they do and then go. Because more times than not, if you, if you ever realize, even in old age people, in old age homes, a lot of people will tell me that when they went to see their grandparents, some of the grandparents seem to smile right before the right before the time that they leave, and that's usually the time that they start seeing everybody. They start seeing the people coming for them, going, "Hey, we're here. We're going to come pick you up, take you on to wherever you're going now," and they're happy to see them. They're happy to see you know all these family members that they thought they'd never see again, or these animals that they thought they'd never see again, or you know even friends from other lives that they forgot that they even were friends of theirs. So, yeah, I do agree with you. Sometimes it, it is a gift, and I, and I think it's not just a gift from God, but it's a gift from that person too, so they could actually give that good memory as well. Not just to have it themselves, but to actually give that to another person so they can remember something wonderful about them before they leave instead of remembering that they were sick or hurting. I don't think people truly die in the sense of the word of dying because as long as you look at a picture and you think, oh, yeah, that was, I remember when my mum used to uh, put um, treacle on the sponge and all, or when my dad used to come home from the dust, that kind of sort of thing. Yeah, uh, you know, I tell people this, and this is for any of your listeners out there, who say that, you know, I, I, I really miss my mum or I really miss my dad or my best friend or my animal and I really wish they would say something to me somehow, you know. I have to say that they do, they do, and what happens is a lot of people, when they think about some somebody, they'll get sad. They get very sad. Now, if you think about it this way, 
our vibration has to go halfway. Okay, if you think of heaven being in the sky, just think of it there for a moment. If they're in the sky, their energy has to come down real low, and ours has to come up real high. We have to meet in the middle someplace, and that's where we get that connection. If you, That's the visual I'll give you. Now, if you're very super sad about somebody and all that, your vibration's not going to go high. It's, it's hard for them to get through to you when you're sad because grief is such a, a – grief is an emotion that's it's like – it's thick. It's mud. It's just – it's very difficult. It's hard for them to get through. But I tell people, if you want to talk to somebody that you used to know that died, think of the best memories you possibly can. Get that smile on your face and just sit there and let the memories start flowing in. You'd be surprised at how many times there will be doing something and not thinking about like your mom who died or anything, and all of a sudden you'll get this memory for no reason about them because you were in a happy place. They got that they snuck that memory in there. You are now connecting with them. It's really no different than any medium. I mean, I know a lot of times I can I can see them in front of me and and everything, but I mean, they do the same to me when I'm talking to somebody else, and they, they're in a good place, and we're having a great conversation and talking, and their loved ones come in, and their loved ones come in so strong when the person in front of me is happy. When that person is real happy, the person that helps my connection get so strong, and they always tell me that everything done in joy will bring them closer to you. It's just way easier for the other side to say hi to you and anything when you're in a good space. So if anybody wants to contact somebody they live with, all they need to do is simply sit in a room by themselves in the quiet and just think about the wonderful, beautiful memories that they had with these people. And then that will bring them closer. That will start something going. I like that. I found, I found comfort in that. Because uh, yeah. I mean, recently, last year, my mum died. And I, 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 had, a, I had a tattoo done. Of a rose and um, mum on it, and every time I look at it, I, I I think of the nice things that my mum used to do. Oh yeah, I mean if you if you think about the really cool stuff like that, that's when she starts to come in. That's when you start to have those dreams where you have those wonderful, beautiful dreams about them, and that's where the coincidence happen. Like you know, you pick up. Like maybe you burn something in the oven and you start laughing about it and think, oh my gosh, my mom used to burn stuff in the oven, you know, and you just go. With yeah, that. yeah. That's that's when they come in and they start they start having a good time with you and they start going, see, we are really right next to you. There's just it's it, it's hard to explain. They're right next to us. We just can't see them anymore. It's the same thing if you were in your house right now and, and your mom was still alive in the other room, you wouldn't see her, but you would know she's there because you could feel her. Well, this is no different. She's just in another room. She just can't come around the corner and show you her, you know? But she can let you know that she's still there. Well, it's strange because when my wife was in the hospital, um, she was really ill, I, I used to tell people I had like an empty feeling that I felt empty all the time. I just couldn't lose that feeling. Although oh, she was alright, but I thought... I wonder if this is what it is, what the word love means. It is. Well, you said when your wife was in there? Yeah. If you had an empty feeling, I'm, I'm asking, so. 
Yeah, yeah. See, see. feelings are caused by when when you have a connection with somebody, you have a vibrating connection with somebody, a vibration that you do connect with somebody. And when they're gone, if you're thinking anything bad about them, all you're basically doing is you're feeling the pain, you're feeling their emotions, you're feeling everything, and that's going to cause you to feel very empty. It's going to cause you to feel, you know, terrible. But you know what? That's going to be a natural part of it because you want that person to still be here. And, and if they're not here, you kind of feel if they're not here, a part of you is going to be gone. And that's basically, that's like you said, that could be kind of what, what love is in that sense. Because that's, that's what happens when you have this beautiful love with somebody and then you feel like it's going to be taken away. It, it kind of pulls something out of you. And it does make you a little run down. And it makes you feel terrible. I, I, I see that you try, learn, teach people mediumship as well. How does what? You teach mediumship as well. Yeah, me and uh, my partner Jessica Potter, she's my best friend in the world. Um, we met years ago. Uh, we decided that we saw so many people teaching mediumship and they made it so difficult for people. I mean, they have all these buzzwords they use and all these things that they had to do and all these chants and all this other stuff. And we decided that we, we wanted to teach people. Um, we teach people who actually are mediums and they just don't know it yet. And we also teach people who just want to be able to connect with their loved ones. And, and we don't do that outrageous price and make them come back to 50 million classes. That's not needed. It's really not needed. Not unless you're going to do what I do. What I do, I mean, I've studied and studied and studied so many things, but I've done it on my own. But yeah, we do. We teach people how to connect with their loved ones. We teach people how to read the symbolisms, the signs, and how they communicate with us. Spirits do communicate with us differently than in life, but it's actually almost even the same as well. It's even with um, I teach animal communication too. Sometimes people can talk to their animals now. Their animals that are alive. It is so simple to do. It's a very easy process, and it does take practice. But it's basically just looking them in their eye and just letting them look at you and then letting you got to be able to just let the images go in your head. After a while, you're going to start trusting those images. They'll show you images of what they're thinking about and vice versa. It's the same with the other side. When they go over, because they can't speak an audible voice that, you know, vibrates in your ear, basically they either speak in your thoughts, they'll put thoughts into you, or if you're lucky enough, like, like me, I can actually hear their actual voice so I can hear the tone of it. But it's not vibrating in my ear, but I know it's a different tone and everything, and I know if it's a female voice, male voice, an old person's voice, a young person's voice. But they will show you memories. They will go through your memories, and they will pick up memories that remind you of them, and they will, they will give them to you so you will think about them. It's the same thing in mediumship. When I talk to somebody who's passed over and they're standing in front of me, if I ask them to come forward and, and they're willing to, to, in order for me to explain to the person that they're here, they will try to give me evidential validation. They will say, you know, this is the shirt I always wore. I always wore this belt buckle that had this, this, and that on it. I love these shoes. We used to go to this park, and this is what the park looked like. And they will put those images in my head and have me describe them to those people. Or they will just straight out tell me, like, a name of a park. That doesn't happen all the time. Every once in a while, the connection is so good. They will just say, you know, do you remember Kmart? And I'll be like, dude, have you guys gone to Kmart? Because she's bringing up Kmart. She's bringing up this, that, and the other thing. And they'll say, yeah, I know exactly that day. I'm like, okay. And once they know that's who they're talking to, that's when the connection gets super strong, and that's where the messages can start. 
But that's all that needs to be done is think about them. Pay attention to what you're thinking about. Look for signs and symbols. You know, they're very big on symbols and signs. Look for repeating numbers. Look for seeing the same white car over and over. Not then to come to realize, hey, my, my best friend drove a white car that died. And but you, all of a sudden you see a white car everywhere. Well, that's because they put that into your perception so you think about them. That's exactly what they do. That's exactly how it works for them to us over here. But that's exactly actually how it works for us to them over there. When we think about them, they're over there going, hey, they're thinking about me. And that's why I always tell people, when you think about a spirit or somebody who's you know, gone, think about how you missed them and you loved them and the good times you had and the happiness because they get to feel it over there. They get to feel everything that you're thinking about. What did you say earlier about sensitivity? We've got a Jack Russell, and she's very sensitive if we're angry or upset, or she can sense if we're ill. But many other dogs and cats, because I think they're built in with into our psyche for that reason. You're asking, how's that question go? I'm just saying that my my. Jack Russell uh-huh. uh, is very sensitive to if we were angry or ill or... Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. In fact, your dog probably sees dead people 50 billion times a day. Their, their existence is different than us. Um, they're sentient beings. They do have emotions. Dogs, cats, the cows we eat, the chickens we raise. They all have feelings. They can see stuff better. They, they don't see life as we see it. They see it differently. Your dog's not afraid to die. Your dog doesn't run. Ac- your dog doesn't stop at the road going, I better not run across or I might get hit by a car and die. He doesn't think that. He just thinks, I'm going to get from here to there. That's his existence. He loves it. He's happy. He's in the moment. And your dogs do pick up on your energy. I mean, that's. I always tell people, don't be really upset or angry around your animals because they pick that up. They can feel when you're angry, and that's why they like go in corners, or that's why their hair stands up, or you know, so on and so forth, because they feel your feelings. They're very, very in tune to that. They're very special. Animals are very special. And of course, as we all know, their souls go to heaven as well. Yeah, and basically, psychics and all that, we're pretty much just kind of got that little bit of animal side in us. We just kind of feel, you know, and you've done it before. I know you've walked into a room and you've walked into the room and you said, gosh, I just feel uncomfortable. And and you might have walked in there feeling that because somebody in the room just got some bad news or somebody's rude and it's angry because you're picking up on that. It's the exact same thing. That's, that's all that is. It's whether we acknowledge the thoughts, whether we acknowledge the emotion. It's strange you mention that because I used to, as I mentioned before, I used to work in mental health and you could sense when something was going to be kicking off or something wasn't quite right before, some 90% of the time before it even happened. Yeah, you know, when you learn to feel that shift, I mean, it never goes away. And that's a really good example, like what you said. You can go into a place where people might be a bit off, and for some reason, when you walk in there, you just know that something's going down. <laughs> you know, you don't know why you know, but you just know. You just feel it. Your, your whole body, your whole physicality actually changes. I think I would love to take a picture of somebody 
when they're in different moods, you know, other than the auras that people put out, but just to see how their blood is moving and everything's going around because physiologically it changes us too. Everything, we, we are pretty much just walking antennas. You know, we pick up on these things. It's just some people refuse to acknowledge it. They just, if you don't acknowledge any of it, you're just going to go through life just going through life. You're just going to go through the motions, you know. And there are people like that. They don't want to know about friendship. They don't care about their friends. They don't care about love. They don't care about who hates them. They don't care about who likes them. They don't care about anything. They just want all those feelings to go away. And then uh, there's the flip side. There's like people who do the work that I do. And that's our number one concern in our waking day. I mean, when we wake up, it's like the first thing I always say to myself when I wake up is, thank you. This is great. I'm going to have a wonderful day. I'm going to feel good. <laughs> and I put that out there because that's what I want to feel all day long. You know, but I've, I'm like you, I've walked into places, I walk into grocery stores and I can just, you know, Christmas is a terrible time for me. And basically going into a store at Christmas, um, or right before Christmas, I, you can feel like you'll have a particular day where there's a lot of people there who can't afford things for their kids or can't afford things and they're upset by it or they're sad about it and it's like you walk in and you can just feel their despair, you can feel the anxiety, you can feel all that stuff. It's very difficult to deal with sometimes. Um, but you just have to sit back and go, those aren't my feelings, they're theirs and I'm going to just have to let it go unless I can actually help you, I'm just going to have to let that feeling go, you know? But I'm glad that some people don't let the feeling go because that's how people get helped. Because they got that feeling, they feel uncomfortable with it, and they're like, how can I make this feeling go away? I know I can help someone. I can do something good for somebody, and then we can both feel good. Well, I've experienced mental health problems myself. I've, I have OCD, which I had quite bad for a little while. I still got it, but I, I have a sense of control as such, as you can. But... I, I learned how to develop a skill to cope with it. And yes, you have yeah. to, if you've got something wrong with you, the, the process is, if you admit it to yourself, you're on the way to, I wouldn't say a cure, because that's a bit of a big word, but I would say that you're on the road to getting a better version of yourself. Yes. I agree. I suffered with anxiety for years. I was on Xanax. I was on Klonopin. I was on everything. I was in the hospital uh, over and over for panic attacks that were just led into seizures and everything else. I did the same thing you did. I learned how to cope with it. I learned how to, you know, a lot of doctors gave me a really bad advice on it. And, and it's not their fault. They just gave me the textbook version of what was wrong. I knew what the inner thing was that was wrong, so I figured it out, and I fixed it. And just like you did, you, you learned how to deal with it, and you learned how to, you know, not, like you said, we didn't find cures for it, obviously, but we found a way to make it a part of our life that doesn't affect us as much as what it does. Well, you know, as you were saying earlier about um, our abilities, I think a lot of our abilities come from early man, because... Early men had to be in tune with nature and okay. the environment around him, and that's what I think. I, I agree with you. In fact, I mean, if people, even religious people who say that what this is or what I do is like a terrible thing or the Bible says don't do it and all that, how do they think the Bible was written? It was channeled to people. A lot of stuff was channeled to people, and of course it was misinterpreted you know, over and over. But even, like you said, early man, 
how they survived. They didn't just come here and all of a sudden they just learned how to survive. I'm sure, I'm, I'm probably, I don't know, I'll have to ask that to my guides one day because that's an interesting question. You know, did the first caveman have a, you know, did they have a guide? And Well, I know they did. But, I mean, did they recognize when they heard them? Did they recognize when they taught them how to, you know, the ideas that they had? A lot of our ideas, like fire and everything else, that's just not something we discovered on our own. I think that that was something that was, it was an idea that was put into our head, and we ran with it, and that's how it happened. I like to give credit where credit is due. And as smart as technology and man is, I don't really think that we were smart. We were smart enough to get as far as we did. I think we had a lot of help. And I think what you said is that early man was connected to nature, and early man could feel vibrations, and early man didn't didn't just throw them off as coincidence. And they didn't even know what the word coincidence meant. They just said, okay, and went with it. Well, you only got to look at Stonehenge and places like that, how they built them, because people today still don't understand how it was feasible. Um, yeah, you know what? There's so many questions. I've, I've, I've sat down and asked my guys a million things about, about all kinds of places, and I've asked them about Bigfoot. I've asked them about Loch Ness Monster. I've asked them about aliens. I've asked them about the pyramids. I've asked them about everything. And it's, and it's funny because I don't understand everything they present to me, but they always tell me it's not for you to understand. But I do know that it, it, I do know that a lot of things in this world were not all man-made. We had help in it. You know, we had a lot of help in it, and it was for different purposes and different reasons. You know, just like uh, I asked about the Loch Ness Monster, and I asked about Bigfoot. Because I thought, I sat there one day and I wondered, I'm like, I wonder if Bigfoot is real, or if people are mass hallucinating it or whatever. And they're like, no, Bigfoot's absolutely real. The only problem is he's real for a collective of people, for a collective of thoughts. So if there's a, so for instance, if, um, if 10 of us were in the woods someplace and one of us saw Bigfoot and none of us didn't believe it, we're never going to see Bigfoot. If one of us saw Bigfoot and the rest of us started thinking maybe they did see Bigfoot and maybe Bigfoot is around and then we all started looking, chances of all of us seeing Bigfoot is really high because of the fact now that person collectively, that Bigfoot collectively is now accepted into us. You know, it's, it's kind of like how we see the world now. This world only exists because we've all decided to see the world. If you decide not to see something or if you then it, it'll go away. Kind of like, I don't watch the news. I cannot stand the news. I don't watch it. The news was depressing me. Everything in the world seems to just be bad news. So I, agree I, there. Took, that out of my per I took that out of my perception. And now guess what? The world seems like a pretty cool place to me. Mm -hmm. I see a lot more good in people than I did before. Because now somebody's not constantly pointing out the flaws of everything. You know, nobody, nobody goes out there and points out all the good that people are doing. Everybody forgets to do that. Everybody wants to talk about bad stuff. Everybody wants to talk about how you can't go here, you can't go there, you can't do anything. And from what I know of, that's not true. I mean, we should all be able to go any place on this earth that we want. We should be able to step into any little piece of dirt or patch of dirt we want because nobody owns the world. We all own the world. It's whether you want to put up with the consequences of doing it, you know. If somebody gets mad at you for doing that, you have to deal with that consequence. But you have to know in your head that you can still go do whatever you'd like to do. 
Yes, I'm going to tell you one of my more controversial theories now. Right, and this is not meant to upset anybody. But I think God is schizophrenic. And my reason being is, in the Bible, it always states that we are made in God's image. So we are both good and evil. I know that's not scientific, and I can't prove it, and I'm probably wrong. But that's one of my weird and controversial theories. Well, you know, you, you're not entirely wrong as far as I'm concerned because God has to be all things. God has to be good. God has to be evil. God has to be sexy. God has to be not sexy. God has to be this. He's got to be bad. He's got to be good. He's got to be a terrible person. He's got to be a great person. But I think what happens is a lot of people, when they hear that uh, God made us in his image, I think sometimes might take that wrong. Because when they speak of image, some people think of image as that. That's why a lot of people think God is some guy who sits on a chair. Because they're like, well, we're in his image. He's got to look like us. It's like, no, that's not what they meant. They didn't mean he's in some kind of formal image. What they're saying is everything God is, you are. Everything you are, God is. So if you're a terrible person, well, guess what? You're experiencing a terrible side of God. You're showing that part of God. If you're a wonderful person, you're showing a wonderful side of God. And that's why the whole thing is why everybody tells you to try to strive to be as best as you can. <clears throat> the, end, the end result is we want to all see the most beautiful side of God in ourselves that we possibly can. Now, we can't see that beautiful side without knowing about the bad side. You can't experience positivity if you've never experienced negativity. You can't experience experience being negative if you've never experienced positive. You have nothing. That's what yin and yang comes from. You know, you don't know hot unless you felt cold. If everything was constantly cold and you never felt anything but cold, you'd never know what hot was if it came and bit you on the butt. You know, it's like you have to know the difference between everything. So in a sense, you are actually, I believe you are in a sense correct in saying that sometimes God can seem schizophrenic. God can seem like he's a million different people, but that's because that's what God is. God is every emotion and everything that ever existed. And we've all been here for time. I mean, we're all energy. Energy can either be destroyed or made, you know, but we want to experience things, and we experience things through God's eyes. That's kind of how I see it. Would you like to mention anything about what you do on your YouTube channel? now uh, for a YouTube channel it'll be called uh, Letter from the Sky basically what it is, it's a lot of messages that I get straight from my guides and from angels that I talk to and it's to let people know that spirituality that they're learning is, is way easier not to get discouraged. I see so many videos out there, and they're great videos, you know, videos about, you know, are you in 5D, are you in 3D, how do you know if you're a crystal child, how do you know if you're this, how do you know if you're that, I mean, sometimes it really doesn't matter, sometimes you just need to know that things go on, things exist, and, and you can do what you want to do, and you can have what you need to have, and you can still talk to the people who left this earth. You can still feel them, and they haven't gone anywhere. I just want to explain every week, kind of debunk something that people says or make something easier. Uh, I go in my uh, 
we got a Facebook group called SoulStarTribe.com, and we do we have this. It's a safe group for people to come into, and they can explore the spirituality. They can ask questions about things going on with themselves. They can learn how to be card readers, mediums, psychic, whatever they're learning or drawn to. Then we have a readers group as well, where a lot of us that who are in the Soul Star Tribe do sample readings. You know, we have like five or six readers who go on. Um, almost every night of the week and do live sample readings and we help people along their awakening path which is basically what this is uh, people make awakening sound like it's such a difficult thing it's merely seeing the world more instead of just what you see with your eyes it's like seeing the world with all your senses instead of just with your eyes that's what awakening is once you realize things aren't always what they tell you it is sometimes it's way different and that's what that channel is going to be about, making this way easier for people to do, way easier for people to deal with and make the knowledge a lot, a lot more comprehensible. It's funny you say you say that because I started off in the world of cryptozoology and then I thought, oh, I've just mentioned about what I went through with my coma and that. And since I talk about it more, I feel more and more pulled towards the world of paranormal obviously through talking to people on podcasts and like that i just and i just find it that i'm being pulled more and more towards it yeah it does once you start opening up you know i always tell people once you wake up you can't go back to sleep you're done you're there you're going you're gonna start remembering Basically, life is all about remembering where you came from. It's like you come here with your memory wiped out and you live this life, learn these lessons that you're going to take with you for this wonderful soul expansion. And the big thing for you to do at the end of the day before you die is try to remember who you are and where you came from. And by when you, when you say, like, you started thinking more about paranormal now and that becomes way more interesting, it becomes way more easier to grasp. It's making more sense now. That's because you opened up to it. You didn't close off to it. If somebody closes off to it, they'll never even know it exists. You know? And, and things only exist if we let them exist. If we, close off for, if we close off something, then it doesn't exist to us. It's our perception. Is there any links you'd like to mention, David, for people to go to or visit? Any links? Yes, please. Uh, um, well, if you're on, if you go to Facebook, uh, you can go to soulstarmedium.com, and we have a couple links there to join groups if you want to find out about spirituality or anything. It's totally free. You can go to soulstarmediums.com. That is mine and Jessica's website. We do uh, gallery readings, which are uh, a blast. We do gallery readings. We do um, ghost hunts. We teach classes. Um, also, you can see our services on there if you need readings. Or you can go to letterfromthesky.com. That's my personal website. Uh, I do all different kinds of readings that people want. Um, some are extremely affordable. Like I do angel readings um, where that's where you can ask a question. And I will sit in meditation with my angels and I'll have them answer the question for you. I do automatic writing, which means I'll let them write right through me. I just let them write it. I don't even know I'm writing. I don't even know what I'm writing until I'm done writing it. Um, and a lot of people do that because they like to keep those too. Some of them frame it and stuff, which I think is very flattering for me. But I was telling them that wasn't me anyway. That was the other side that made that. But uh, those are the links for now. 
And um, if you go to any of those links, they'll be updating you on the books. I've been, uh, like I said, like you said earlier, um, I am working on a book of uh, of different types of heaven and death and what it was like to be in a coma and what happens. Um, one different possible perspectives of what happens when you die, because I don't think anybody has one perspective. I think we have similar ones, like you said, me and you have similar things that we saw, but it's not entirely the same. And just, I want people to feel good about it. Just go through this life and have a great time and be a good person and just succeed. You know, and succeeding doesn't mean becoming rich or anything else. Succeeding means that at the end of the day, when you go back home and you go to bed, you can smile and say, I made it through another day and I'm so thankful and this is awesome and I can't wait for tomorrow. Well, my freeze, if you do good things, you get good things back, and vice versa. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. You do reap what you sow. Well, I'd like to thank you. And I'm, I'm going to do a sign-off now. Now, it's a bit off, uh, off kilter, but don't worry. It's not too scary. <clears throat> Are you ready? <clears throat> Thank you, David, for being on my show. It was so great to listen to you know. I learnt more than I wished to know. I look forward to look at seeing your book and looking at your show. I'd like to say thank you so much for being on my show. Well, thank you so much. I'm very honoured. I had a great time. Thank you very much.